Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. We are going to be in the book of Ephesians this morning. Now, quite often on Mother's Day, you know, you'd pick a topic and it would be related to mothers. And um, we're on a uh, a gospel project track. So we're talking about the armor of God today. And maybe that's fitting for Mother's Day. I don't know. Um, But we're in Ephesians chapter 6, if you'd like to uh, find that. Let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, uh, we believe that every time uh, we look into your word, you have something to say to us. These words are inspired by the Holy Spirit to the prophets. Uh, these words are the very words of God and the words that you want to, uh, us to chew over and apply to our lives. So, Lord, we pray that we'd have ears to hear you this morning. And as Jesus said, that these things would sink down. Uh, through our ears into our hearts, and we take them to heart, and we would live by them. So we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I was thinking about this uh, sermon, I, I immediately kind of thought about conflict. So the title of the message is Conflict in the Armor of God. Uh, the whole idea of putting armor on means this is a battle to be fought. And so, uh, I, uh, do you have any conflict in your life? <laughs> Sure you do. Uh, uh, it's just part of life. Like, you know, you have struggle, and uh, struggle is a part of life, and conflict is therefore a part of life. And it's never absent for long. And you, mu- you probably have more than you want uh, at any one time. Conflict threatens every close relationship, as well as every other kind of relationship. It's a reality, uh, nation against nation. Lots going on in the world today, uh, conflict. Uh, you know, Israel and Iran uh, exchanging uh, rockets and missiles this week. There's the potential there for a real outbreak of a major war. Um, politics, it's just it's always a conflict going on with politics. There's conflicts in cultures, religions, probably conflict at your work in one way or another. Likely some conflict at school. And probably the most... Uh, Personal, we have conflict in personal relationships, maybe in your home, but it's the conflict in here. There's a conflict going on in here, right? And, and my idea is like, uh, well, I guess it's the, re- the, the truth of it is, that's kind of the cause of all the conflict, right? We tend to think of armor of God, we're, we're going to put on this armor, we're going to be protected against the conflict, uh, whereas the reality is most of it comes out of here. That's what we need to think about this morning. Uh, we have conflict uh, between good and evil. Uh, wrong versus right, light versus darkness, and we get caught in the middle. Uh, last weekend, uh, Mark Taylor was here and preached uh, well on uh, Ephesians or Galatians 5. I just wanted to read a verse because it was very much uh, related to what we're preaching on today. Galatians 5.17, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And so Paul wrote in Ephesians, or Romans 7, I want to do this, I keep doing this. Uh, whenever I uh, do this, I really want to be doing this. And, and you have this conflict back and forth within yourself. Uh, it could be the test of wills. You know, who's going to get, uh, uh, get what they want? We tend to want what others have. Um, it might be a test of allegiance. Are you going to be allegi- uh, loyal to God or are you going to uh, follow the devil? Uh, a test of choice between are you going to choose what's right or are you going to choose what's wrong? And so you fight that battle. At least I hope you fight it. And there's some vital questions that I think you should ask really every day. One is, are you aware of the spiritual aspect of your conflict? 
Because I dare say that we get in the middle of conflict and we're in, in conflict with some other person, we tend to forget that there's any kind of spiritual aspect. We're just concentrated on that person and winning that conflict and being right. And we need to step back and, and remember what God has said and what we're going to look at here in this passage. Um, the second thing is, am I protected in, in this conflict? That's what the armor of God is all about. And the major thing is, how am I going to respond in conflict? Am I going to respond the way I usually respond? Or am I going to respond the way God wants me to respond? These things are very practical because I dare say, before the day's out or the week's out, you're going to have to put them into practice. So let's read some of the passage. Uh, it's Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read um, 10 to 12 to start. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So it's pretty obvious what the main point is in that passage, at least obvious to me. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Our struggle is against spiritual forces of evil. So when you're finding yourself in conflict, the first thing I think God wants you and I to remember is your real battle is not with people. Your real battle is with forces of evil. Uh, God wants us to love people, Right? God doesn't want us fighting with people. And Paul is saying here, I know you have conflict. I know there's, you, there's disagreements and there's problems that you have with other people. But I want you to remember, first of all, your conflict is not with other people because it's about something bigger than that. It's about spiritual forces of evil. There's uh, three realms of conflict. Uh, three spheres or three aspects of it. The, one, I, I, the world, the flesh of the devil. The Bible kind of repeats that over and over. There's a theater of spiritual war around us, and it involves the world, the flesh, and this person called the devil. So first of all, the world system, or the world culture. Uh, the world promotes values uh, that aren't very good. Um, the world promotes gratification of things the Bible calls sin. And the world promotes that. Gratify yourself. Get something that you want. Get all that you can. Get all that you want. Feed your desires. And, and the world promotes that gratification. Uh, the world glamorizes evil. You know, it's more fun to be evil. It's very boring to be good. And so it glamorizes evil, and so evil becomes attractive to us. And then the, the other thing that the world does is it corrupts what is good. It calls good evil and calls evil good, and it corrupts what is good. And so these values, they are the values of our sinful human nature. It's not like this world, and, you know, I'm different than the world, and the world's like this, but I'm like this. Actually, the world and I have a lot in common because the values, the, the negative, the evil values that the world has are some the evil values I have, some of the things that, that are in me that aren't right, that... Uh, are more related to darkness than are related to light. They're more related to what is wrong than related to what is right. So let's not just figure it's all out there because it's related to what's in here. The second aspect of, of the conflict is, is the flesh. And the Bible uses the term flesh, and it's not talking about your, 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 your bones and your, the meat on you. Um, when the Bible refers to that word flesh, it's mainly and it depends on the word it's used, Sarx, uh, it's sinful human nature, okay? Um, if you are a Christian, the Bible teaches that you have a new nature made in the image of Christ, and it's kind of in conflict with your old nature. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have a basic human nature that is um, sinful. It's, sin is kind of inherent in it. We were born with it. It's the explanation the Bible has for all the flaws in humanity. You wonder why uh, the world has such problems? It's because people have such problems. 
uh, it's what we bring together. So you bring a one person, you, you, you put one person out, like, like this person here, and, and uh, I've got all kinds of stuff going on in here that aren't, aren't good, that they're sinful. And I've been like that since I've been little. Nobody had to teach me how to say no, or nobody had to teach me how to do uh, you know, bad things. I just kind of, by intuition, knew how to do them, and so did you. And then when you get a whole bunch of people together, um, then you have the possibility of all kinds of evil. And even to the point where you have countries that are so consumed with evil that they just try to perpetrate that evil on other countries. It's the flesh. It's at war with our conscience. Uh, we have a conscience that the Bible says is the law of God written on our hearts, the sense of right and wrong. And, and, and your flesh, your e the evil that is within us, is at war with that conscience. And, and you know what that means. You, you know, when you, um, when you uh, maybe you gossip about somebody and, and it just, you just get this thought, that's not right, I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe you say something nasty to somebody who's close to you and, and you have that thought, I shouldn't have said that. But you said it anyway. And you'll probably say it again. And it's this battle going on inside you. Um, one of the things that the flesh does is it blinds us. So that what you will not excuse or what I won't excuse in other people, I'll very easily excuse in myself. I have very high tolerance for my own faults, but I may have very low tolerance for yours. That's what the flesh does. It blinds us to our faults. You may think that in the middle of conflict, you see things clearly, and you have a good perspective, and you can understand people and where they're coming from and what their motives are, but really the flesh limits your perspective and so actually you have tunnel vision when it comes to conflict you don't see your faults but you're looking through a telescope at your opponent and their faults become magnified that's one of the things the flesh does is it is it corrupts our view of conflict and then what it also does then is it, it exacerbates or magnifies the other person's role so they become the villain and the opponent and you become the good guy and if they would just do what you want then there wouldn't be any conflict. But you know what? They, they're thinking the same thing about you. <laughs> That's the weird thing about it, right? The way that you look at them is the way they're looking at you. No wonder we got problems. No wonder we, we knock heads because we both have the same faulty view. Um, there's a verse that I think everybody ought to be familiar with. It's in uh, Jeremiah 17.9. If you'd like to turn there. Um, you could look there, but you can also look at your Bible so you'll know where it is. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so that's, that's what the human sinful nature is. It's deceitful. You are easily deceived, and so am I. I am, I am deceived about my own faults, and I am deceived about your role in the conflict. That's how we operate. And that's what the Bible says, you're, you know, your, your struggle isn't with people because somebody's stirring the pot. And we believe that, uh, that the devil stirs the pot. So you have the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil, uh, I don't believe the devil is some just force. I believe that what the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that the devil is a um, leader, the leader of a system of evil. Um, and so... Uh, we don't have a picture up there, but uh, when the kids were being dismissed, they had a picture of a guy with a, you know, a shield and a sword and a helmet and all this armor. And so you tend to think that you know the devil is your enemy and he's coming at you, and you can see him coming. Um, and actually, what the devil is doing is he's fighting a kind of an unseen battle, and he's using what's mainly what's inside us. So. Uh, we believe that the devil is uh, he's an evil supernatural being. He's not even close to being equal with God, but he has a lot of power. And he and his host of uh, demonic beings, uh, and I believe there's millions of them, influence and deceive people. So when you're in conflict, you should ask this question before you say something you're gonna, you regret before you attack somebody else. You should say, where am I being deceived here? Where am I being influenced? Where am I being led astray? And so if you think you're right in a conflict, 
and, and maybe you might even think you're always right in a conflict, you are being deceived because that's called self-righteousness. And God doesn't have much time for self-righteousness. You have to ask yourself, where am I being deceived here? And maybe you'll give it a second thought before something comes out that you shouldn't say. The Bible teaches a lot about Satan, and I'm not going to look at too many scriptures, but there's really three things we need to look at. One, uh, it's the identity. Jesus talked about him in, in John 8.44 when he was talking to, the, uh, to those that rejected him. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's one of the names for, for the devil, the, the father of lies. Now I tell you, we are inundated with lies. The world is so full of lies, you, can't, you know, people can't tell what's true anymore. You don't know if it's fake news or real news. Lies, lies from all sides coming at us. Lies about everything. But here's a key truth. We can't see our own lies. We can't see our own lies. Because if the whole world's inundated with lies, then that means that there's lies in me. And, and some of the, the ways that the flesh works in me, the sinful human nature works in me, is I lie. Now, maybe I don't tell big lies, but maybe I just exaggerate, or maybe I inflate. Well, there's just something we just don't have a, we just don't tell the truth very often. So it's not somebody else or everybody else that's lying. Lies come out of us, and that's one of the tra ways that the devil traffics. He, he, he promotes lies. He's the father of it. And you have a hard time seeing your own lies. Uh, another verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It all talked about uh, another uh, uh, identity, another phrase. Um, he said, uh, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So he called the devil, called Satan, the God of this age. And... Uh, you know, he leads this world system, and what does he do? He promotes rebellion against God. So if there's rebellion going on, then there's a, you know, maybe it, it has its root in what the devil is promoting. Um, so I would say what we do, uh, because we're easily deceived, is we minimize our own rebellion. We don't see our own rebellion for what it is. We can see yours. I can see your rebellion. Oh, it's just glaring. It's so obvious, you know. But Jesus said, yeah, you can see the, the speck in your brother's eye, but you can't see the log in your own eye. We're really good at seeing the log. You know, get that log out of your eye. It keeps hitting me in the face, you know, and you can't see the log in your own eye. And so there's something wrong with us. Gosh, I wish we would get this. We are rebellious. There's a rebellious streak in us, even as, as Christians. Sometimes Christians can be more rebellious than their next-door neighbor because they know the things of God and yet don't do them. And then there's another um, common uh, word for the devil. Uh, uh, Peter talks about it in uh, 1 Peter 5.8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we call him the enemy, and that's what he is. He's the enemy, and, and he, he's looking for people to devour. What kind of people can he devour? Well, he uses different techniques. One is temptation. If you're weak, if you're always looking to, to, to please your inner desires and, and you're, you're susceptible to temptation, he'll just knock you with it every time. You'll just give in to it every time because you haven't learned to stand up and say no to what's wrong and say yes to what's right. So temptation's one way. Intimidation. That's what a lion does when it roars. It's to put fear in its prey. And so what does the devil do? He intimidates. Uh, you know, sometimes I see people intimidating other people. Brad Marchand comes to mind. <laughs> Conflict. 
Uh, so it can happen on the sports field. It can happen at the job. It can happen in the home. Intimidation. It's sort of like taking a, 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 a pose, an aggressive pose towards somebody else. It could be physical. You know, there's a lot of violence in, in homes and, 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 you know, violence between men and women. Mostly uh, it has to do with men. Or it could be words because words can be intimidation. And maybe it's more likely words where you intimidate or threaten. Uh, another technique is accusation where we accuse the other person of this or that, and, and we use words uh, that accuse. And, and what happens when you feel accused? You feel pressed down, and down you go, and you rotten thing, and down you go, and you feel accused. Don't accuse. See, if you accuse people, you're just doing the devil's work. See, he doesn't need to go and, you know, call up 10,000 demons to do some accusation. He just needs to get a few of us going. Right? See, we, we tend to think that this spiritual war is a frontal assault. We better get ready because it's coming at us. It's not coming at us as much as it's coming out of us. Right? Because that's, that's how he works. He's sly. We can't see when we're being deceived. If you're deceived, you can't see it. You'll need somebody else to point it out to you. Whoa, don't do that. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm not right. Don't tell me I'm being deceived. When we're being deceived, it's pretty hard to listen. And yet we need other people in our lives to say, wait a minute. You know, when you're saying that, you're really, you're really out of the will of God here. You're out of line. And we need people to tell us when we're out of line. And we need to be able to hear that. So I want you to do a double take here when it comes to conflict. I, this is the first thing I think God wants us to remember. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against these forces of evil. That's where the struggle is. So stop looking at your enemy, your opponent, or your, the person that you're having conflict with as your enemy, because that's not the will of God. God wants you to love your enemies. Amen? Expect to see a difference. Right on. Um, let's look at the second one here, second part. Verses 13 through 17. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Why? Because your struggle is not against flesh and blood. You need the armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. In other words, not to be knocked down by evil, but to stand. Stand, I think, on holy ground. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, when I read this, the, the first, and I've got, like, I got this, you know, I've, I don't know how many times I've looked at this passage. I've got everything underlined, circled, colored, so I can hardly even see what's there. I, need, I guess I need a new Bible. But the phrase that stuck out to me when I was looking at this was the day of evil. When the day of evil comes. And, um, you know, the battle is daily. But there's times in our lives when the day of evil comes. When it is a pivotal time, when things kind of come to a head, when you're drawn into something, uh, and, and all of a sudden, hopefully, you realize this is a big deal. This is a key moment in my life. I need to make the right decisions here uh, because the, the, the potential for good or evil is incredible. And sometimes I'll say that to people. This is a pivotal time. Like, it's going to go, it can go good here, it can go bad. And you need to uh, be ready. So you need to be ready when you're called out into battle. And, and you have to ask, is, is this one of those times? So um, I went out to Regina uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I knew it was a, a pivotal time. And look, I'm not telling you this because I'm some kind of spiritual hero, okay? I'm telling you this because I need Jesus as much as anybody needs Jesus. 
I'm telling you this because I struggle the way you struggle. My conflicts aren't any different than your conflicts. And I have a temptation to, to be self-serving and do what I want and a temptation to think my opponents are people just like we all do. So I'm telling you this so that maybe you'll be able to relate how the Lord can help you in, in your conflict. So um, I went out to the preliminary hearing uh, for, regarding my daughter's murder. Um, and uh, I knew it was going to be a test. I, I knew there was potential for minefields and potential for opportunities. This passage, I had outlined this passage on paper before I went. So I'm walking around Regina, and I'm thinking, Lord, what about this sermon here and all this conflict? I was, it was, I was really glad I had that in my head because it helped me. It, 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 I remembered this, is, this could be a day of evil. Uh, my struggle is not against flesh and blood here. I had to be reminded of those things, and it helped to have it in my head. Uh, how was I going to respond? So, you know, we got to the courtroom for the preliminary hearing, and, and we're, we were grateful, my daughter and I and some others. It was only one day because it, it was just absolutely awful. Um, you know, you, what comes to your mind when you think of somebody you love who's been murdered, but then when you hear the details, you're just like, it's just horrific. It's just way worse than you were prepared for. It, it just, wow, it just wastes you. And uh, so there's this conflict going on of, my gosh, I, I knew it was bad. But I didn't know it was that bad. And, and then the, the defense lawyer kept popping up and saying, what about this and what about that? And You know, after a while, I, I wanted to put my hands around his neck <laughs> because he was just doing his job, but it was just really hard to listen to. So there's all this kind of conflict going on. And, and um, um, you know, her husband was in the, in the box, you know, behind plexiglass, and I was looking at him, and, you know, it was difficult. It was, it was more than difficult. Um, and he's pleading not guilty, so it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, what do you do with that? The conflict, the opportunity, the day of evil is just, like, overwhelming. So I had decided, and I had asked before I went if I could see him and visit him. And so his lawyer asked him, and he, he agreed. And... Um, so we were going to meet on the, uh, the, in the court uh, building after it was over, but they didn't want to do that because of security, and I didn't want to do it because I couldn't look at them after that. Um, so then I thought about the next day, and I thought, I've only got one opportunity to do this. So um, uh, I talked to the lead investigator, and she said, I can take you to the correctional center. And I said, uh, yeah, let's do that. And um, so the prosecution... He's my age, so he's been in, you know, in the prosecution office for a long time. He said, I've never heard anybody want to do that. And I was thinking, I must be, maybe I'm strange or something. And then when I got to the correctional center, uh, they were suspicious because they'd never had anybody want to do that. You know, that the, the father of a murdered uh, daughter would want to talk to the, the person accused of a murder. Um, and I, also, I mentioned to Dennis Clay, he said, I'd never heard of that in all my years of policing. So I'm like, here I am, Lord, little old me. <laughs> I'm going to put myself in this kind of place of conflict. And, and it wasn't because I wanted to, you know, it to be conflict. You know, he called me dad. And I called him son. I had to look him. I had to look at him and, 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 and see who I was dealing with. And I prayed before I went, Lord, I don't want to go in there angry. Because I was angry at what he did. Uh, Lord, I want to go in there with grace. And I don't feel very graceful. So, Lord, you've got to give me grace. You've got to give me what I need to go in and just speak the truth to him so I'll know what's in his heart. And we talked for about 40 minutes, and uh, I was really disappointed in him because there was just so little empathy except for himself. Um, he said stuff. I'm not going to repeat it. I told some people. It just blew me out of the water. I told the pro crown prosecutor the next day I called him and he asked me how it went. I said, well, he said this, and he said this, and he said, did he really say that? He was just trying to, well, he wasn't really responsible. It wasn't his fault. One thing he said was, uh, yeah, Jenny's dead. She's at peace. Look what I got to go through. And I'm sitting there with my mouth open. Who are you? How do you respond 
to that kind of conflict. I, I just ran to the Lord, and Lord, help me to, you know, how do you love somebody like that? How do you forgive somebody? How do you resist evil? How do you resist saying nasty things to him? I, I, I didn't. I, I, I'm glad I, I spoke the truth. I did it in a measured manner. I, I had self-control. I, I just felt the spirit of God. All kinds of people have been praying, and I, I knew that, and I felt that, and that's what really helped. And, and I walked out of there disappointed, but glad the Lord was with me. And, and it says here, you know, stand firm. You know, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I wanted to stand on holy ground. I didn't want to go in there and, and, and act like a fool or act out of anger or act out of, out of my flesh. I wanted to act in accordance with the Spirit. Um, and, and how do you do that? Well, that's what this passage is about. Um, it says here, you know, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So most of you have a belt on. Maybe some of you don't. I remember days when I didn't have to wear a belt because my body went like this and then went like that. But as you get a little older, it just kind of fills in. So it's just like... And sometimes it overfills in. So the, the belt doesn't want to stay up. So you, you need a belt, right? Because nobody wants to see that. So... You got to put your belt on the belt of truth. So, one of my one of these key passages, Ephesians four, uh, verse twenty-one. Surely you have heard of him, Christ, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. The old wants to take over. The old clothes, the old ways, want to take over your life, and you got to take them off. And and what do you got to do in place? You got to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self. And how do you do that? You put the truth on. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we put him on. And it's Paul uses a metaphor like clothing. It's pretty easy to get. You can put on Christ like you put on your clothes every morning. You got up this morning, you put something on, right? At least eventually you did. And 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 um, so you pull something on, and maybe it was just your pajamas. That's what I put on. And then, uh, and then uh, after a while, you put on what you showed up with. Then you're putting something on, and, and he's saying, put that truth on and get it around your waist so that you're secured by the truth. And, you know, Jesus gave us a real good uh, um, picture of what that looks like. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's pretty easy. Now, maybe you think you already do that, but you get all this conflict and you're not responding very gracefully. Maybe you're not really doing that. Maybe you're not really obeying what he said. You've you got you to consider that. You've got to consider, am I really obeying what Jesus Christ has told me? Because uh, if you're not, maybe you don't love him as much as you think you do. Because that's the part of the battle. Do I love God more than myself? Because I really love myself. I think I'm great. I think everything I do is just about perfect. I mean, really? You need somebody in your life pointing stuff out. But you know from the scriptures when you read stuff, right? When you read about putting on the, uh, putting off the old and putting on the new, you know sometimes you just put on the old. You're just putting on. You know that. So don't deny the truth. Obey the truth. Truth is everything. Breastplate of righteousness breastplate is a kind of a thing it's like something similar to what the police would use like an armor that you put around your midsection because that's where all your vital organs are uh, and you don't want to get you know uh, your vital organs uh, hurt so uh, the breastplate of righteousness protects primarily our heart what do we need to protect we need to protect our identity see if you think you're uh, self-righteous and you don't do anything wrong and it's everybody else that's causing all the problems, you get a problem with your identity. You're identifying with the old you. It isn't very good. That's why 
You wanted to get saved in the first place because you realized the old wasn't very good. You need to identify with the new man. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, there's a battle with that. Like, the Bible says that righteousness has been put on us. We've been clothed with righteousness. That's who we are. So now we need to act like who we are, not act like who we were. And that's the difference Jesus Christ makes in your life. It's one of the fundamental differences. You put on his righteousness, but it's not yours. You don't earn it. It's a gift. It's a gift. And you need to approach life like that. You need to approach other people like that. It's a gift that somebody would be involved personally and, and relate to you and even like you. That's a gift. Everything's a gift. And I need to th start looking at other people like my relationship with them is a gift, so I need to treat them carefully and, and, and better. Um, the shoes. You need to have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We call it the gospel shoes. You have to have your shoes on. Um, there's different ways of looking at this, but, you know, we, have, we say as Christians we have a walk with God. I walk with God, you know. And, and so you've got to be conscious of your feet. Um, your feet, you know, if you want the rest of your body to be in good shape, you gotta have, your feet got to be working good, right? If your feet aren't working good, it's hard to have everything else working good. So you're, you're thinking about walking with Christ. And, and, and so there's part of that is I'm, I'm, I'm ready to serve Christ. Uh, my, I'm not just walking around, you know, for my own sake. I'm walking. I'm representing Christ. I'm representing Christ to others. And how I walk and how I live reflects Jesus to people I know. You better have those shoes on because people's perception of God might depend on the way you portray God. So you want to portray him in a right way, not in the wrong way. In addition to this, take the shield of faith. So the shield of faith is your faith in Christ and you hold it up and it says to, to be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, I've never seen one of those arrows. I've never seen a flaming arrow coming at me. That's the thing. You don't see them coming. I've never seen the devil coming at me because he's too sly for me. He's too tricky. He doesn't come at me so I can see him. He's sneaky. And he comes around the back way. And he, he comes, uh, one way he comes is through another person's flesh. You know, uh, the flaming arrows are usually out of somebody else's mouth. <laughs> So we need to be careful that we're not the flaming arrows because our words, the Bible says our words give life or they give death. They, they, they can kill and destroy or they can build up. And we need to be so careful with what comes out of our mouth because they can be tools of God or the tools of the devil. Great verses in Revelation 12, 11. Uh, 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Don't be the accuser. You know what it's like. There's two kinds of accusation going on. One is you accuse yourself. And some of that is words that have been, you've been bombarded with over the years. You'll never make it. You'll never do anything important. Nobody likes you. You're, you're, not, you're not worth anything. Uh, you're an idiot. And you, and you may tell yourself stuff like that. Like when I, sometimes when I, you know, do something wrong, like, uh, uh, if it's uh, you know related to uh, carpentry or mechanics, I'll call myself an idiot, and then I'll catch myself. But that's a habit I've had since I've been a kid. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. But we accuse ourselves, or and and, and I should say we accuse other people. You know, something will come up. Often starts in the car. Somebody cuts you off, cuts you close, slows down and slows up your day, or Blows by you so fast as you do. What an idiot. What a moron. Moron's one of my favorite words. I like morons. Kind of inoffensive, but tells it like it is. 
That's what's wrong with the world. And it, and it comes out of my mouth, and it comes out of your mouth. Like, are we going to be the accuser? We're good at it. We're so good at it, we don't even recognize it. And, 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 and the Lord's saying, put the armor on and, 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 and get that shield of faith out, uh, up uh, and watch out being the accuser. The helmet of salvation. You need a helmet of salvation on you. There's something wrong with your head, right? Your, he your head is like, you know, it's turning the whole body. It's kind of guiding everything. It's where your tongue is and your brain is, and, and you need to protect the head. Why do we need to protect our head? When I get accused, I need to be reminded that that's not true. I need to be reminded that those accusations that I hear about myself, those are not true. Because Christ has forgiven me for my sin. Christ doesn't accuse me. God does not accuse you. He will never accuse his people. So when you hear the, the accuser talking and talking and putting you down, you remember, that's not, that's not God's voice. When God speaks, he speaks with a still, small voice, and he convicts so that he's not trying to trample you. He's trying to call you with the truth. He's trying to call you out of darkness into light. He's trying to get your attention. He's not a slave driver. He calls. He invites. But make no mistake, you'll know if you're right or wrong. We need to be reminded that we're in Christ. If, if, our, if we've trusted in Christ, then we're placed in Christ, and I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. I need to be reminded of that. I need to have my head on straight. I need to think right. That's what the helmet of salvation is for, to protect your thinking. And then uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you've got all these protective weapons, and you've got a sword, and that's the Word of God. That's... Uh, that's what's in here. Um, sometimes people say, you know, the Christians go around and boom, boom, beat me with that heavy Bible. Well, then we're not using it right. We're not supposed to, to do that with the Bible. Um, because the Bible, actually the Bible doesn't need to be anything more than spoken. Because this is what, one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living. This word is alive. This is the same word that was spoken a couple of thousand years ago, and it's still alive. It still penetrates. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing soul and spirit. We don't even know where that is. We don't know where that is. We can kind of get an idea of body and soul. Soul and spirit, the spirit is deeper. We don't know. It's just, it's there. But the Bible says the word of God can go right through into the spirit. It judges, uh, dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So we just need to speak the word of God. We need to slam people with the God, word of God. We don't need to yell at the people. We just need to speak the, the word of God. Pierces the defenses. But let me say this. You know, and I, I believe in, you know, if, if you feel attacked by the enemy, you should, you should start calling on scripture and, and calling up the truth. Because when the enemy and the accuser is trying to, you know, put you down or use you to put down others, you need to, you need to bring up the truth. And we, that's the word of God. You need to speak it. But listen, first, use it on yourself. Don't be so quick to use it on other people, especially when you're in conflict. Because remember, it takes any one conflict, it takes two to tangle. Nobody's right in a conflict. Somebody is maybe more wrong than others, but that really doesn't matter. You know, maybe you're 40% and they're 60%. Big deal. Tell that to God. You think he cares? Do you think he cares that you're more right than them or less wrong than them? No, not really. You know what God cares about? is about just doing what's right, about doing the right thing, about loving people and, 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 and being more concerned about others than yourself. That's what he cares about. Use it on yourself. So the point is put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, may be able to stand your ground. Holy ground. You don't want to get down there and slop around in the slurry with the things of evil. You want to stand on holy ground and so that you're 
standing with Christ in conflict. The third thing, and I'm just about done, um, prayer. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit, which is a whole sermon in itself, what it means to pray in the Spirit. Um, Praying in the Spirit kind of goes like this. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> you know, Praying in the Spirit isn't so much being boom, bold. It's starting with a, at a place of humility and, and, and a place of truth and a place of awareness of your own, our own uh, susceptibility to self-deception and, and, and self-righteousness. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. It's a continual conversation with the Lord. Um, because like I said, the enemy's attack isn't often, you don't see it coming at you. And, and, and it, what it tends to be, what I notice in my life, it tends to be a kind of a benign distraction from spiritual disciplines and spiritual things. It's not so much I set out to do something evil or do something wrong. I just get kind of, Lulled to sleep. I get kind of distracted. Maybe I neglect prayer. Maybe I neglect applying the word. I, maybe I just neglect my relationship with Jesus, and it gets kind of lukewarm. You can be ready. You can be assured that an assault is coming, that a conflict is coming, because you become easy pickings. When you are not strengthened with spiritual disciplines of the word and prayer and confession and fellowship and honesty and, and all these things, then your flesh is being strengthened. You're either strengthening the spirit or the flesh. And when, you don't want your flesh getting stronger. You, you can't ha hardly handle it now. You want the spirit to get it stronger. So you need to build things that, 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 that the spirit is interested in, that the spirit wants to happen. So when you're in conflict, you know one of the first things you should do? And, and, and you shouldn't just do it once, but you should do it continuously. So praise, pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. You need to pray for your enemies. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those that you're struggling with. It's better to pray for them than to get involved in accusing them and thinking bad thoughts about them and wanting to smuck them in the face. Like, those are not the things of God. God says pray for them. Maybe you don't want to pray for them. I don't want to pray for, for Jay. My, my flesh doesn't want to pray for him. My flesh would like to kill him. But that's, that's not of God. God wants me to pray for him, so I, I do. I try. It's, it's hard. I, I pray he gets saved. Um, you know, his lawyer came and, and showed me all these Bible studies he's doing, and we had many conversations about the gospel, and he showed me all these Bible studies he's been doing, and I don't know if he's trying to impress me or he's trying to change. I don't know. But when I spoke to him, I said, listen, all the Bible study in the world doesn't mean anything if it doesn't change your heart. You know, and if you're just going to be worried about yourself, I don't see much change. So I pray for that change. Um, but I'll tell you, it's hard to pray for people that... But that's what God asked me to do. So pray for the people that you're in conflict with. You know, it could be husband and wife. It could be children and father. It could be uh, uh, relationships at work. It could be relationships right in this room. Somebody over here and somebody over here. You need to start praying for each other. That God will protect the other person. That God would bless the other person. That you would be able to respond to them with love instead of hate. Um, that's the only way out of it. There's no way out of it. You know, maybe you'll hope they'll move away or die, but... Of course, maybe you'll die. And that'll solve your problem. Uh, listen, you know what? It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. Yeah, we had a conversation once, uh, my sister and my mother and I. My mom's in the hospital. She's waiting to go into the home. Um, uh, this was last fall when she was in the hospital, and she was not doing well at all. And 
And um, we were talking about what are we going to do with all mom's stuff, right? We're going to have actually a conversation about that tonight, my two brothers, my sister and I. It's like, you know, we said to mom, you taught us something. You taught us to love one another, and we're not going to fight over your stuff. That's the last thing we're going to do because we know people in our own family that that's happened to. The fight over stuff. People get jealous and covetous and all that stuff. And I gave my sister a hug and said, we weren't raised like that. And it was a tribute to my mom and the heart she has. That's the kind of family we want, right? That's the kind of family you want. That's the kind of thing you've got to promote. So whether it's in your own family or your extended family or whatever the relationship, you've got to lay down your conflict. Because your conflict isn't with people. Your conflict is with the spiritual forces of evil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's what you need to struggle against. And the struggle starts right in here. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I thank you for this word. Um, Lord, there's not one of us that doesn't have some kind of conflict, whether it's affecting us directly or affecting somebody we love or a place we work or even our church. It's just part of reality, part of this life. And Lord, you've uh, pointed away other conflict here. You've, uh, you show us, Lord, that our conflict isn't supposed to be with people. Uh, we're supposed to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to pray for those who hate us. Uh, that's just so radical, I, I can't get my head around it. But uh, Lord, you, that's what you call us to do. You, you call us to be spiritual. And you don't all just tell us to do it, Lord. You give us all the resources in, in heaven. You give us the Spirit of God. And, Lord, you said the Spirit of God, when he comes in, he, he, he brings out love. And he brings out joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and self-control. All those good things that money can't buy. Lord, you have those in abundance. You want us to live like that. So God, we, we need to lay down our conflict and, and, and take up our, our prayer and, and take up love and take up uh, following you through this. And Lord, I know there's perhaps some here today who they know what conflict is, but they haven't met the Savior yet. And Lord, uh, the gospel teaches that the conflict was settled at the cross of Jesus Christ. And all the conflict of this world and all the sins of this world were laid on the innocent Son of God. And he died paying for sin so that we don't have to. He died absorbing our sins on him so that we could be given eternal life, offered the gift of righteousness in exchange for our sinful natures. Lord, I pray that these things would make a difference to us today. Uh, of all days, Lord. <laughs> we ought to get along on Mother's Day for the sake of our mothers. And, and Lord, we ought to live differently. So I pray we would do that, Lord. We would remember our struggle is not against people, that we would put on the armor and we would remember to pray even for those who disagree with. And we ask your blessing on these things in Jesus' name. Amen.